You know that's Sammy, yeah. right? Yeah. Welcome back to Peace of Chaos. Uh, I am honored here to have uh, my cousin Jake in town for the first live podcast in my studio, in person. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we uh, welcome Jake. Thank you. Um, you uh, spent the weekend here in the suburbs. It's been wonderful. Uh, and watched the Super Bowl defeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Jake is not an Eagles fan, despite his uh, his heritage, but uh, feels my pain of watching the Eagles lose by watching his uh, Minnesota Vikings lose. Just football depression. So many times. Um, so, I think uh, there's lots of interesting stuff um, about about the the relationship because Jake is uh, half my age and also uh, my godson, which is weird because I'm not that godly. But uh, uh, I think it's the the spirituality <laughs> in general. Just I don't know. I think I think that's the the thing that like the godson relationship or whatever, like I can look to you for like spiritual advice or um, like that side of my life. I feel like I can come to you for that. As yeah. Like a, like a mentorship. And I, I was just telling my mom last night, like um, I think we share a lot of the same views on, and opinions on a lot of stuff. And um, it's almost like because of that age gap, there's like a mentorship level to it. And yeah. I like really appreciate yeah. that part of it. So the godson thing is still, yeah yeah it's it's funny like um because it it definitely makes me feel uh like it's it's almost like this weird time passage thing because one of the funniest memories that uh beth and i always talk about is when I, i don't know why we were i don't know what it might have been like christmas or something i don't know why we were in church uh, we were in church for something, maybe somebody's wedding or something, but you were really little. You were like mm-hmm. four and you were just walking back and forth on the pews <laughs> behind us. I was a little shit. Yeah. And, uh, and Beth was like, Hey Jake, how you doing? What do you, what have you been up to? And you're just like, I don't know, just playing, walking <laughs> around. <laughs> like that's what you're up to when yeah. you're four. Yeah. And, uh, it was just so funny. Um, but now like you're a, you're a dude with mm-hmm. like tattoos and you, like it's crazy. Yeah. It's really weird. But also like, uh, I don't know. It's really, it's really, um, humbling to see what you've done mm-hmm. and like all the stuff that you've come through. And, uh, now you live in California, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, so you got to experience this week besides the burbs, uh, the LA traffic. <laughs> so let's hear about your, your commute. Oh God. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a couple of weeks off of work, so, um, I knew I wanted to make the trip, trip up to visit and I tried to plan it accordingly. I knew LA tra- I like always heard that LA traffic is bad. So I was like, okay, I'll leave it like, like one or two. Um, but you also thought I lived in LA. Yeah. I thought it was like a, a closer to LA, but <clears throat> And so I had been checking 
like just in the little planning that I did, I'd been checking Apple Maps. And it'd be like, oh, two and a half hours to L.A. Like, oh, three hours to L.A. So I was planning, using that to plan. Um, and then I got the address. <laughs> and it's just like northwest of L.A. But um, I ended up leaving an hour later than I originally wanted to. And that put me in like primetime traffic. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like talking to Matt, telling him, just keeping him updated for when I'm going to get there or get here. And... uh He's like, well, maybe you should take the PCH. I was like, that's a great idea. So I just like continued straight to the coast. I was going to catch the sunset. It was like perfect timing to catch the sunset. I was like, if it's going to be a long drive, it might as well be a pretty drive. Yeah, yeah. So I get there literally as soon as I get onto the one, I guess, and I'm yeah. like turn make the turn onto the PCH. Dead stop traffic from a crash that happened like a mile down the PCH. So I'm yeah. like, I'm not driving the PCH, but I'm just sitting there like looking out the window, watching the sunset. Yeah. 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 It was bad. It was standstill for like an hour and a half. Yeah. It, for people that don't live in Los Angeles, first of all, the traffic's insane. You can have six lanes on either side, mm. not move. And then the PCH is four lanes. Beautiful mm-hmm. mountain on one side, ocean on the other. But if one person fucks up, it's the whole thing. It's over. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was like, we were like, man, you could have flown back east for the time <laughs> it took you to drive yep. up here. But uh, yeah. no, it's, it's been really good having you here. And uh, and just it's it's a weird thing to leave your family and not be around them and be separated by them for so long. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even though you're now you're here on the, on the West coast for a couple of years, which is great. Um, but the thing that always gets me is like the, the, the connection between cousins. Mm-hmm. And I never really heard anybody talk about this before, but like, um, my, it, it just seems to be this and it must, there must be something to it. Like the, 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 um, the, the, the DNA or yeah. whatever, because it doesn't matter that we don't get to hang out all the time. Mm-hmm. There's just an all, there's just a connection. Yeah. And I had this, uh, like my dad's family too, like the, mm-hmm. those cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it was funny. You probably never met her, but, uh, my dad's sister's daughter, she's probably, she's a little older than you, I think, Mm. but I never saw her. I saw her maybe two times in my life Mm. because I moved and she was little and and we just never hung out, Mm -hmm. but she got really into like film and TV and stuff like that. So when she was like 20, she came out to visit and I picked her up from the airport and it was like, we'd known each other yeah. and then been hanging out your whole, Just our whole life. Right it's it's weird. Yeah. And I don't know what that is, but it's, it's, it's cool. And to have you here is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about like, you've done some pretty amazing things. So whatever you can talk about and where you've been mm-hmm. like, because that is experiences that people don't, normally get like the countries you've been to already and and all that stuff so like i've been to japan a bunch but like i've 
dropped in to Tokyo and left. So I didn't get to explore. So like maybe you talk about Japan a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I can speak to my travels a little bit. It's, it's tough to like talk about it cause it's, I don't know people can like probably look at it and be like, Oh, you've done so much, but I don't really feel like I've done all that much. But, um, yeah, so I spent three and a half years in Japan, um, in the Navy. Um, and I was on a ship most of the time, but, I did get a chance to do a little bit of exploring and we went on a couple of deployments and I got to see some cool places, but, um, I really only got to see Australia and then like a couple little islands, um, just where the ship would stop and you'd get to go out in town and do that kind of stuff. But, um, I had a lot planned for Japan. Um, I wish I would have done more, but a lot of the plans got shut down by, uh, by the big COVID. So, Mm. um, I didn't get to do as much as I wanted to, but, um, Australia was incredible. Uh, I left that place think, thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to move back here. But I spent four days in Cairns, um, got to do like whitewater rafting and did, did some climbing. Um, and that was just a wonderful experience. Uh, it's such a cool place. So much to do. Um, I got to go to Guam a couple times. Guam is a beautiful island. Um, and then in Japan... I, the culture there is just, it's so vastly different than, than here, obviously, but, um, everybody's so nice. It's like everybody just like, there's not like the fighting, (laughs) like, I mean, I don't, I wasn't following like Japanese politics or anything. I'm sure there's some of it, but like just walking around, it feels just like a calmer place to be. Yeah. Um, and you really get used to living in that culture. Um, and I went, I made it to Tokyo Um, I wanted to do more in Tokyo, but I only got to make one trip up there. Um, And just kind of, it was a solo trip. I just went by myself and I should have planned that better too, because there's so much to do, but I was literally (laughs) like, because there's so much to do, I was like, oh, I can just step off the train yeah, and then I'll figure it out. Yeah. But I stepped off the train and then I was just standing there like, here I am. Here I am. Okay. So I, I went to, um, I guess the big, one of the big things in Tokyo is like the Shibuya, Shibuya scramble, the crossing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was crazy. I ended up, um, I'd like walked across the scramble, so That was kind of cool. And then there's a cafe that overlooks the scramble. So I just sat up there, read my book and like just observed and kind of lived in that moment for a bit. Um, so Tokyo was cool. I, I, there was a really cool shrine. Um, I got to see in Tokyo and then, um, I had wanted to do Fuji for the entire time. I was oh, yeah, there. Like, yeah. That was a huge goal of mine. Like I'd, while you're there, you have to, and there's like a, um, a rumor, I guess that like, if you visit Japan and you don't hike Fuji, like the mountain will call you back eventually and you, yeah, have, yeah. you have to do it. Um, so I didn't think I was going to get the chance to do it, but before I flew back stateside, I had like a couple of weeks where I was just waiting to leave Yeah, that my ship was gone. So I was just like in transfer status and I went up there, um, with a good friend of mine and we landed the night before we were going to wake up early and go to the mountain. We, we did. Um, but by the time we got up to like the starting point, um, the weather was horrible. There mm-hmm. was like an incoming storm and they were like, nobody can hike today. So they like kicked us off the mountain um, I was devastated. Like it was a huge bummer. And then, um, so she had an appointment 
that she had to make. So she flew back when we were originally scheduled to. And then, but that the morning we were supposed to leave, I went for a run outside of our hotel and like the perfect view of the mountain. I can't remember the name of the lake that's right there, but it's yeah. like the lake and then the mountain is just right there. Obviously like perfectly sunny day, like yeah. the best day you could possibly have to hike. Um, so I went for my run and I'm like running back to the hotel, just looking at the mountain, like, like, I, yeah, yeah. it's just like taunting me. So I get back and like genuinely it was a joke, but I made the joke to her. I was like, well, you can go back. I'm going to stay here. And she was like, no, you should definitely do that. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt guilty about it, but I was like, this is a once in a lifetime experience. And she wasn't like butthurt about it or anything. So <laughs> I got a new flight for the next day and extended the hotel one more night and went up and hiked the mountain um, and pushed the pace a little bit. I was kind of using it as like a challenge too, yeah, yeah. but um, stop and just try and try and do what I could to like live in the moment. Cause that's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. But summited that day, spent a little bit at the peak and then backtrack, hiked down to the ninth station, which is like the last hut that you yeah. can get to um, stayed the night there. Um, and it's literally just like a, like a bunkhouse that's yeah. got like 60 beds in it and they just give you food and <laughs> you stay there for the night. So it's like a hostile kind of situation. Kinda, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, but then I woke up at like three 30 the next day and resummited like in the dark. And then I, I was like one of the first people at the, at the mountain or at the peak. Um, and I just sat there and like watched the sun come up over. Oh, that's like insane. That it was it was wild. How high, how long did it take you to get up there? How high is it? Um, I don't know the, um, like the numbers on it, but I think generally it takes people like five to eight hours to get up to the top. Yeah. Just from, from base to peak. And then, wow. Um, but I was like, I was solo, like I was by myself and I was just kind of like, I didn't have anybody that I had like weight on or anything. And I was pushing the pace, but I think I got summited in like four hours. Wow. Um, and was it snowy at the top? Yeah. It's, it's really cold. And yeah. actually I don't think it was snowy. It, I think it was a little like snow topped, but like it yeah. wasn't like it was actively snowing there, but that's cool. Um, yeah. It's just a huge crater at the top and it's just massive. And then you can see everything. It's incredible. Did you, did you feel like, cause it took me, I, I think I've been to Japan like six times maybe mm-hmm. but always for like short periods i think the longest was like a week and a half or something mm-hmm. like that um and i think it was like the second or third time i was there was the first time i realized that i looked different and that's why people like note noticed like i noticed people like double taking yeah because every like it's so homogenous mm-hmm. like yeah. in Tokyo I mean I was only in Tokyo so it's like very homogenous everybody kind of wears on point suits mm-hmm. and just it, it's like very busy and and uh I don't know it was it was really strange to feel that um foreign foreign yeah 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 it's different a little bit because like where I was stationed like down in Southern Japan. Um, it's like a Navy town. Yeah. So all of the businesses and like, 
restaurants like they're all used to it yeah and they're like are almost catered towards like this like united states military like how nice is everybody like it's crazy right like i the only time i got like bad vibes or whatever was like if i was in tokyo or a spot where it wasn't a navy town yeah Um, but even then it wasn't it was like few and far between there would be like certain restaurants they'd be like yeah 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 no white people but like um generally it was just they're they're like the friendliest people it's it's like the friendliest culture it's weird i I mean i think uh i was and it's also uh i think somebody told me this it might not be completely correct but like japan has like a no unemployment situation so there's jobs for everybody and everybody everything is clean Mm -hmm. like the cities are like sparkling clean yeah always because you know a job is cleaning a block Mm -hmm. like they have so many folks that can do things that it's not like one person's in charge of like giant places like you could see like whenever they were doing construction there'd be like 30 people Mm -hmm. holding a sign or directing traffic like they just get everybody going was the mario kart thing happening there Um, when you were there not that i they had like real life go-kart mario kart I think there's like tracks happening in this in the city. A Disneyland or not Disneyland? It was like Nintendo Land. Yeah, in, in like near Tokyo, yeah. people would, you could like do Mario Kart racing and stuff there. But it's not. I didn't. I didn't get the chance to do that. It's a so. neat spot. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really cool. neat spot. It's very unique. Um, far though, God, I, I mm-hmm. even though I got direct, you can get direct flights from here. Mm-hmm. But I had some of the worst. Like, I don't know if it's anxiety or just like free like. It you're in a plane for so long, yeah, and I hated it. I got used to just because I had to make the trip so many times, like I was used to it. But yeah, it's, it would be like, and I never got a straight shot. I wish I did, but it was always like stop in Seoul or like, um, like yeah, you'd all you'd probably hit three different airports yeah, it's in been one nervous. trip. But um, I don't know, just read books. That's all yeah, just yeah. Try to pass the time. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. So. Um, now, like, what is, what is next on your agenda? Like, what are you planning for? Like, you have a big job, mm-hmm. I know, you get, like, over the next couple years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the idea of facing, trying to figure out a future yeah. is, is a lot right. to take on, right? It's kind of a, a weird spot. It's, it's been something that like I've really been thinking about a lot. It's been like heavy on my mind recently is um, my original intentions when I joined the military were to go do a certain job and that didn't work out um, f- for the best in retrospect. Like I think I'm way happier doing this job yeah. than I would have ever been. Um, and I think it's the greatest job in the world, but I built it up to be this thing in my head. And I think that this is kind of a common thing. Like you always have to be aware of like what your goals are and think maybe just like set goals a little bit further because I have had this goal for so long and I I basically had to do this, this tour in Japan in order to be eligible for this new job. Yeah. So it was like a little bit of biding my time, just like doing what I had to do. Um, But now that like I'm here doing the job that I have been working so hard to like get to. Yeah. There's definitely that feeling of like what's next. Yeah. And it's tough too, because I even though you haven't done it yet. Yeah. Like, well, so I haven't, I haven't, 
I think that's one of the issues that I'm having is I'm not like officially doing the job yet. And I'm, um, so I haven't been in the community long enough to be like, okay, this is my next step. And this is what I'm going to set my sights on. Um, but the other consideration too, is like, you anybody that's in the military always gets the question like, Oh, are you a lifer? Like, are you going to do yeah, all yeah. 20 years? Are you going to yeah. retire? I'm like, I, that would be great. And I think I would, I'm going to love this job enough that like I could do that if I wanted to, but like, I'm really like at the point I feel like right now where I, I want to start a like I'm 26 years old. By the time I finish this contract, I'll be in like my early thirties. And I don't, I think like now's the time where I'm like, I kind of want to settle down. I want to have kids. Like yeah. that's the big consideration. And I don't necessarily think that I want to be, um, doing a job where I'm like going on deployments and doing like somewhat sketchy stuff um with a family so if that happens i'm not like trying to force anything but if that happens like i there's a chance i i I might get out i tried to show you how mundane and like rigorous (laughs) like dealing with family shit is like while jake's here like we're yeah you know going to doing suburban things like like taking to school like all that kind of stuff it's so it's it's interesting you can't really um but it's also great. Like my kids are great. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're really fun. So in another way, it could be just like making it worse, yeah. <laughs> making the pool worse. I don't know, you, you said something when we were talking the other day, um, and it's something you, you kind of hear all the time, but like you get it from different perspectives and it might hit a little harder, but you were like, like 26 to me feels like I'm like, when I hit 25, I was like, that was, you always hear people in their twenties like, Oh God, I feel old. Yeah. Yeah. And like up until that point, I was like, Josh, shut up. You're in your twenties. Like, yeah, you're so young. Like, yeah. Don't do that. And then I hit 25 and I was like, Oh God, I feel old for the first time ever. And then like you start putting, I was telling you about like, you start putting that pressure on yourself. Like you like think, Oh, I got, now's the time I got to like settle down start thinking about having kids and that kind of stuff. But you like, 26 is still young, like yeah. very, very young. And there's still so much to do and you kind of just need to take advantage of it while you can. Yeah. It's, it's not forever. It's a responsibility thing. Yeah. Like, because once you get responsibility that is beyond you, so mm-hmm. a, a kid, for example, um, you can't put that genie back in the bottle <laughs> no. and that lasts forever. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the youth part, disappears like Mm -hmm. for sure and like i put that in the context of a a bunch of things too like i played baseball when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and up through like college yeah and that's a young man's game like even if you're good at it like best case scenario you'll like be in your 30s potentially if you make it to the pros and they talk about you like you're in the retirement home like can't believe he's still doing it at 34 you (laughs) know um there's exceptions, obviously Cal Ripken and like folks that went in deep into their forties and continue to play. Mm -hmm. But like when you're a kid and you're doing that, thinking about that is so short sighted Mm -hmm. as like that you're going to be able to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, sports in general are a young man's game. Yeah. And that finality of it being, like you get through a point where your skills d- start to mm-hmm. decline no matter what it is. And that's really young mm-hmm. in retrospect. So 
it disappears really quick. Mm-hmm. That youth part where like you feel like you're missing stuff, but when you, it's like every, every 10 years or so you kind of reevaluate. And mm-hmm. uh, I forget who said it, but like, I always think of it like, um, it might've been Louis CK actually, but he's like every five to 10 years mm-hmm. you you're like, and I journaling helps mm-hmm. because, uh, you look back and you're like, God, I was an idiot mm-hmm. five years ago. And that keeps happening. Yeah. So if that's true, that means you're an idiot now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you'll 100%. look back and be like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Yeah. Even though you think you get some stuff figured out, mm-hmm. you just go back and you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? That was so st- like, what, yeah. what the hell was I thinking about? Like, yeah. I'm so dumb. And that still happens now to me. So like, I'm sure it'll keep happening. Mm-hmm. But the point being that there is this level of adulthood that just lasts way longer mm-hmm. than the youth mm-hmm. part where like you, your the expectations on you are so small. Mm-hmm. You have no responsibility, yeah. virtually zero responsibility mm-hmm. actually to anyone other than yourself. Yeah. Um, which eventually will go away Mm -hmm. and then you can't go back. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like your, your youth, your ability to, although I question your ability these days because Jake has fallen asleep on the couch every night by like 10, 10 Mm -hmm. (laughs) o'clock. But like a busy weekend, your, your ability to, (laughs) your ability to like, um, I don't know, just do stuff that, that, nobody can take away from you does start to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like max and even though you've traveled a lot too, which is like some people live to be in their twenties before they've ever even gone anywhere. Country, yeah. So you might even be thinking like, well, I've done all that. I've seen everything. I'm good. Let's get this real life started. But uh, I, I don't like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that. Like, I don't think that like, Oh, I've, done all my traveling like i'm like i still feel like there's a lot of like youth to 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 be had yeah um but almost like i think the the family thing like wanting to start a family comes from like the examples that i've had set yeah and we talked about this too but um like i see so grateful for my parents like the fact that they're still married and like love each other the way they do like that's that's incredible to me and i think that i've seen that and like that's part of why I want that. Um, but I can't remember where I was going with that, <laughs> but, um, just like to have that example set and see that. And, Oh, um, I think to be able to share it with somebody else yeah. is like something that's super valuable. And I, I know I can't take for granted that like a lot of the things that I'm doing right now are for me. Yeah. Um, and I, that weighs on me too. Cause like being in the military and they, you're kind of at their whim. Yeah. Like you have some say in the things that you do obviously, but I chose to go to Japan, but at the end of the day, like once you're locked into that, like I'm, I don't have a choice, but to, it's not like you can just quit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like I'm locked in for three and a half years in Japan and part of me, like the entire time I was there is like, you can't help but think about the things that you're missing. Yeah. So like, I kind of had to watch my nephew like grow up through pictures and right. like, I don't get to see him as much as I'd like to obviously, but like 
I try to frame that in that the more that I can do now, like for myself, the better person I can be for the, the more like richness, I guess I can bring to the people that are in my life with experiences and like the growth that I've had. Like I can be a better example for Leo. I can be like a better husband when that comes to it. I can be a better father. Like, when that happens. So like, it's tough to try and balance that. Like, Oh, what, what am I giving up right now? Um, because it feels selfish. Yeah. But in reality, it's kind of like, it's something you have to do. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a weird thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's, I, I just think it's cool that you're thinking that way because, and you know, maybe it's just, it, it has a lot of facets to how you got to be thinking that way but it's very it's a it's a very mature outlook um you know to to have that thought that thought process i think and and it's um you know it's inspiring too to just be like man but like also a little of like you can't you can't say don't do stuff Mm -hmm. You know, or, or like, I would never want to be the like curmudgeon like, you know, or jealous, je- it's like this jealousy thing. Like, mm. man, if I, if I was 25 again, I would mm. like, you're like, I, I get where you're coming from. I wouldn't be like, you know, don't, don't think about those things. Don't mm. do those things or you're like wasting things not at all mm-hmm. because they're rich experiences. Yeah. Um, but just the perspective of like 30 will show up mm-hmm. and you'll realize like, I think that was the, the Louis CK, CK bit, mm-hmm. but I think his was about marriage. He, mm-hmm. he was like, you have a girlfriend and you think, Oh my God, it, it, like I, I, I'm so, I have so much responsibility mm-hmm. and then you get engaged and you're like, shit, <laughs> just, I could have got out of this. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, and then you get mar- and like every stage you're just like, Oh my God, I, yeah. it was so much better then. like <laughs> yeah. I, I was free. I didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, and so like that, that freedom part to pursue all kinds of experiences, uh, mm-hmm. will fade away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like the athletics thing, you can't get that part back that that ability to go do that stuff yeah. um which is which is weird and like you he, you were here to witness uh the first time my daughter drove to school and i was thinking about this this morning like i knew it in the moment last thursday that it was the last time i was going to drive her to school yeah but also it didn't hit me as hard as today that that was the last time I'm going to drive my daughter to school. Mm -hmm. Like it's weird and it's, it's, and everything's like that. Yeah. You don't know it's the last. Yeah. Some, most of the time you don't know it's like the last time that it's going to happen. There's a meditation called the last time meditation Mm. and everything has a last time and, and uh, thinking about that is like so profound. Yeah. Um, and I knew that one was coming. Like, 
in a, in, in a little way, I wanted her to fail her driver's <laughs> test to just be like, get a couple more. Rides let's extend this rides. another two weeks. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's bananas, man. Life is bananas. Uh, oh, I'm super, I'm super thankful. Like I, I have the most support supporting family. Like I could ever ask for, like I, you guys and my parents and my brother and Dana and everybody like they're, I couldn't ask for a better support system. Yeah. Um, and it's been good too, because like, being on the West coast while they're on the East coast is way easier than being 7,500 miles away like yeah. across the ocean. Like, yeah. so just that little bit of that, like that change, just being in the same country as them is like already, like I feel closer. Yeah. Um, and like, I got to spend pretty much the whole month of December with like at home. So that was great too. But yeah. Um, yeah. Like thinking about the finality of like moments, like what's one of my favorite office quotes I don't remember who who says it, but it's like they're like, I wish you could know you're living the best moments like when you're actually living them like without and not having to like look back yeah and realize it like I think that's one of the biggest things we keep talking about is like living in the moment and it's huge and it's something that I need to work on a lot but um, I think that's how you get the most value from those final moments and like you can cherish them a little harder than if you just look back and say, Oh, like I didn't realize that was going to be the last time this thing happened. Yeah. I had a really, um, like profound example of that a couple of years ago when my, my dog passed away. Hmm. Um, because you know, when your dog gets older, it's like a scheduled thing. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to have to put the dog to sleep and you make an appointment. Yeah. Right. And, at this, for this dog, it was like in the afternoon. Hmm. So we had the whole morning with the dog. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she was really sick and it was, it was bad. And I remember sitting on the porch with her, like being very upset, thinking about that in a couple hours, you're going to be gone. Yeah. And all of a sudden I just had this like, but you're here now. Yep. And we're on the porch and the sun is shining yeah. and this is the favorite, your favorite spot that we would sit in the sun mm-hmm. and you're here now and I'm just going to enjoy this. And it, and it was just like this, you know, like it, those things shake you into that mm-hmm. idea that, that I just got to be like, why am I worried about later when you're gone? Mm-hmm. Because right now you're here. The second you start worrying about like what's going to happen, you like, it, t- it completely takes you out of it's always, that perfect moment. It's like, always coming back to that. Mm-hmm. And your brain is so fucked up that it's always either going back or forward. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to snap in mm-hmm. to now. Yeah. And, uh, I just finished a book by one of my favorite authors is, uh, Carlo Rivelli. Mm-hmm. He's like a quantum physicist. Mm-hmm. And I, don't claim to know the first thing about quantum <laughs> physics, obviously, but nobody like, does. I think it's actually made up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but he does a really good job. That's part of the reason I like his book so much is he will take like these super elaborate and like confusing concepts and he'll do a great job of like breaking it down simplistically. Like he'll, it'll somewhat make sense. Yeah. Even if you don't get a full grasp of it, he'll take it and he'll relate it to some, um, some like aspect of life. And yeah. it's, it's always like pretty profound and, the last one I read, just finished it like last week, I think it's called the order of time. Mm. Um, and a lot of the book was like 
talking about how like time is like a, a, a construct. Like it's not um, like it's something that we've kind of created um, and how like the past people think that the past and the future don't exist yet, but like maybe it all does exist concurrently. Like it's all this like quantum, this super complex quantum physics talk, but then he relates it as to like the end is just like we're living here right now. Like even if all of it is concurrent or like the future or past doesn't exist, like it doesn't matter because like we're here right now in time and like there's nothing we can do about it. So like why, why focus on the past and the future? It's like right here. This is what matters. Do you think that uh, reincarnation is real? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I, I think I believe that like maybe energy or like whatever our souls are maybe get like recycled. I don't know if I think of like, ever believe reincarnation is like, Oh, I die. And then my soul gets like, becomes like, a butterfly is born and that's where yeah. I'm so like, I don't know if I believe that, but I think that like whatever, whatever energy our soul or like consciousness is, I think that that definitely, like, I don't think it just disappears. Yeah. So I think that like, it's one of the reasons that I like, I, I, I want to do psychedelics so bad is like, I think that that can kind of open your eyes up like quite like a ton. And one of the things that I always hear about people that do like um, psychedelic assist therapy or um, just like normal trips or whatever, DMT trips, like there's that, like that knowing the, like what you speak of, like, do yeah. you just know that everything's okay? Like, and you, you have always known it and you will always know it, but when you like get out of it, you kind of lose it yeah. just because of life. But one of the other things that I always hear is that, especially for people that like do trips in nature and stuff is you can like, feel the ground and you can feel the trees and like nature and like all of it is just this one big energy. Like yeah. it's, it's, I don't know if that's been your experience, but like I, I hear that from other people's trips and I think that like when we die, like our souls don't just like evaporate. I think they, they can maybe just join whatever that oneness is like yeah. whatever that is. But it's like avatar kind of hit yeah, it with, it, the AWA spirit and all that. But, yeah. Um, I think James Cameron definitely, definitely did some, yeah, some, uh, psychedelics. But. Well, so the interesting thing is, and I try to explain this to my, my son and it made me think about it, which was like, when you have kids, if you had one or 20, hmm. you would love them all mm-hmm. the same you might not like them all the same, but mm-hmm. you would love them all yeah. the same. And, and it's this infinite amount of ability to, uh, mm-hmm. it's not even a stretch. It doesn't feel like you're taking away mm-hmm. to give to, to others. And I wonder if like you're saying that, uh, our construct of this particular life memory Mm -hmm. and all of the things that happened and your like experience kind of goes away Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily take it with you to the next Mm -hmm. realm. And also we're at like an 8 billion population. Mm -hmm. So 
you think, well, there's got to be a limited number of souls and how do we, that can't be real because, you know, when there was a million people, if that's the cap mm-hmm. on the souls available, like when one dies, you can't jump into another one right. because that now there's 8 billion. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a similar thing to like the, the love pool mm-hmm. is mm. the, the consciousness pool and each one is still equal yeah. no matter how many there are. Like that. Um, but it's crazy to think about. And I, and I come back to the fact much like the Bible or Joseph Campbell stories mm-hmm. or all the, there's too much evidence. Too many people have had the same experience mm-hmm. and written about the same experience and tried to pass on the same information. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how some people know enough to bring that forward. Yeah. And it can't just be a made up repeated story, like to make us feel better. You know what I mean? And also life is too profound for it to just be that simple. I agree. That we're just like a creature dropped here trying to figure this all out. And then it's just gone. I I don't, I've I've never understood how people like some people can just not, not believe in, in anything. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I like believe in like a Christian God or like, I have a lot of trouble with religion in general. Um, because I kind of feel like they're all just teaching the same thing. And like, it's this thing that we don't understand, like just the human condition. It's trying to like all these stories that try to teach us about the human condition and how to live like a good life. Um, but I think that humans just can't, like we have a desire to define things, especially things that we don't understand. So then there's all these different cultures and stuff that they, they create this, tr- they try to explain it. Yeah. And that's where all these different religious come really, I could be completely wrong in this, but like, I think that's where all these different religions come from and they all are trying to say the same thing. So it's hard for me to just like pick one. Um, but yeah, I forgot where I was going with that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, one, there, it is, you know, when you look at, uh, I think one of the problems is people get pigeonholed or raised in one religion mm-hmm. and don't look at the others yeah, to see the similarities. And you kind of have to zoom out and say, hmm, these are all kind of saying the same the thing, same. different metaphors here and there, different mm-hmm. stories. But I think that profound nature mm-hmm. of understanding when those original stories were written, mm-hmm. uh, they started as... Uh, you know, spoken stories, mm-hmm. trying to explain why are we here? Yeah. What's going on? And they all manifested into the same story that has lasted throughout the centuries. Mm-hmm. And as you look back, uh, you know, thousands of years and the new things they're discovering mm-hmm. in, in the writings and the, and the scribblings and the... Yeah the stone carvings and all that stuff, we're, they're all trying to explain kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's just too much evidence. Yeah. No, yeah, that, okay. So that, I remember where I was going now. It's like, it's too much evidence. And like, and this is kind of coming from my personal experience. Like there's just things that happen that you can't explain. Yeah. And my mom always had this kind of stuff happen to her. And uh, I would start noticing it. And she always attributed to like, she's a devout Catholic. So yeah. she always attributes it to like her God. 
And I kind of like always attribute it to like the universe, which I like, I always call it like the gods, like yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. I don't have an explanation for it. Um, but for, I don't understand people that have, and maybe they just don't have things that they think are like crazy or wild or like that kind of stuff that happens to them. But like, there's a lot of stuff in my life where I just can't explain it. Like it yeah. just, things just line up too well. And there's a, a in um, Joseph Campbell's book. Oh, what is it? Uh, it was a transcript of some interview that he gave. Mm-hmm. It's like it, his most, one of his most popular books. I don't remember what it's called. Um, but they said the interview asked him, do you ever feel like you are being helped by, um, I wish I had the quote on me. It's like, do you ever feel like you're, you're being helped by the hands of the hands? I think he just called it mm-hmm. the hands or something like that. And he's like all the time. Yeah. And like, so that's always stuck with me is like, oh, it's, it's the hands of God. It's like, it's just like, yeah, that's the universe and how people don't have any experiences that they can attribute to like that. They just think it's like the way that life is. Like, I don't understand that. Yeah. Well, I think I told you my, <laughs> my buddy's reminded me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, you got to understand 50% of the people are running around with nothing in their head. Yeah. You said, uh, <laughs> like, like zero. They're just, <laughs> you were talking about the soul pool and like how, like maybe the, like this, the, there's the, like, there's no limit on the number of souls, but there's probably a lot of soulless people walking around. Like just, just, just empty buzzing through. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's a trip. Life's a trip. And, uh, I'm, I'm really happy we got to hang out. Yeah, me too. And uh, now that you're here for the next couple of years, it's going to be super fun to, yeah. to have you around. And we'll definitely do another in-studio because yeah. this is this is cool. This I'm is psyched cool. you're the first in-studio yeah. uh, podcast. You said you got some lined up too. Is, that, is it going to be I have some. Or? I have none in person, mm-hmm. but I have some really cool guests uh, Slated. that are doing like the, you know, the call-ins mm-hmm. or whatever. That's yeah, super um, but uh, yeah, I built this with the intention that I would be able to have more in studio mm. stuff. But then you know, COVID and LA traffic. LA traffic. <laughs> it's like worse than COVID. Not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. But uh, thanks so much for coming up and oh. for doing the podcast. Thank you and, for uh, everything. For the hospitality and it just felt like being home. So yeah, it's been wonderful. It's refreshing right for sure. Right on. So have a safe trip back. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, man. Should I try to resist?